Welcome to Talking Talent, the podcast brought to you by the Supporting Education Group, where we'll look at some of the most complex talent challenges facing maths and schools today. We'll explore the latest market statistics and bring you insights into how some people are finding solutions in a seemingly bleak market. Eternally optimistic, by working together as a network, we can collectively meet the challenges that face us. I'm your host, Penny Swain, a former teacher and school services leader who now works at bringing together those conversations and solutions to ensure that you're future fit and ready for that modern workforce. Today's episode, we'll be looking at how some maths and schools are adapting their roots into teaching to reflect the values and demands of new graduates. I'm joined today by Danielle Fisher from United Learning and James Marsh, School Partnerships Manager from Teaching Personnel. Hi, I'm joined this morning by Danielle Fisher from United Learning. Good morning, Danielle, and how are you? Morning, good, thanks, Penny. Great. So like most people, recruitment is a challenge at United Learning, but you've been trying some really different approaches to tap into some less obvious pools of young graduates. And I know whenever we talk about this, people are really keen to know just how it works and are usually pretty excited by what you've got to say. Great. Yeah. So one of the things that we started probably around eight years ago is what we called um, at the time the Train to Teach program. So a graduate program that enables um, obviously graduates that are leaving university and thinking about next career steps to um, come into schools, work in schools and gain some experience in the classroom. So that looks very much like covering a range of lessons, attending department professional development opportunities as well as whole school CPD and maybe taking a form. We also, as the programme has developed over the past few years, changed the name of the programme to the Future Teachers Programme. So in line very much with the work that teaching personnel have done um, to kind of market this programme. So we've worked really closely with them to tighten that up. And what that has meant is really just thinking about how we can take this from a role that suits graduates and schools um, in terms of getting um, educated people in the classroom in in front of children to something that maybe gives grads an opportunity to get really prepared for a career in teaching. So historically, what that looked like for us in the school was very much supply staff when you could get them or cover supervisors um, that maybe consisted of, you know, working mums that maybe wanted to work in a school due to hours, um, which is absolutely fine, but maybe not, you know, the best people or the most educated people in terms of having that degree and that subject specialist knowledge in order to um, be in a classroom and cover lessons as well as possible. So what the Future Teachers Programme aims to do is give schools the reassurance that they have got an educated graduate, somebody that has trained in the subject that they are wanting to teach in, an opportunity to gain some in-house experience around behaviour management, lesson planning, lesson delivery, and so on. And I think as a result of that, We've been really successful at Glenmore and Winton Academies over the past eight years because we've just really been able to shape that program. As we've developed and grown working with teaching personnel, we've also extended this work to the cluster of schools. So we've got three schools in the Pool and Bournemouth area. And we have really managed to kind of create a really nice cluster feel to the programme that means all recruitment is done centrally. And then we look at individual future teachers 
and where they would be best placed um, within the school. More recently, as part of the teaching school hub work, we have branched out into non-United Learning schools. And that has been really, really exciting, mainly because it's really nice to be able to work with schools in Swindon and Wiltshire that do have cover needs and do need, um, you know, teachers, educated people in front of their their uh, children in their schools, but also because it's a great opportunity to just think about how we can can build this program and make it bigger and better to schools that are not part of United Learning. And that's been a really, really um, good kind of education process for us in terms of thinking about what works within our trust, but also what we need to do to make this work for standalone schools and schools within other trusts. And as a result of that, we've got some really great trusts working with us in Swindon and Wiltshire, um, where they're in their second year of, of taking on future teachers um, and that means they've got future teachers in their classrooms in their schools but they've also got united teaching trainees so in that second year the grads will go on to a formal teacher training program through united uh, united teaching that is a salaried position um, where schools then get a teacher able to teach up to an 80 percent timetable which again is a, a win-win situation for most schools so ultimately um, you know we've had so much success with that. More recently this year, we've grown that um, again within United Learning. So we've branched out um, from the cluster in Bournemouth um, and we've gone nationwide. So we've got future teachers in places like Manchester, Sheffield, Cambridge, um, which again is really exciting because it just means that we can continue to kind of fill that cover gap, but also give these grads an opportunity, people that maybe wouldn't have considered a career in teaching because maybe they don't want to take any more student debt on or they think they haven't got enough um, teaching experience. This way, they get that opportunity to try this in a school to see if it is for them. And nine times out of 10, we are really, really successful um, with this approach. So yeah, for us, it has been um, an absolute game changer. In terms of kind of plans for the future, we're, we're constantly looking to kind of branch out and grow um, to refine the curriculum. So future teachers attend weekly online CPD training. So they feel that they're part of a cohort which is something that we've started this year and we're looking to grow that um, and ensure that actually we are getting them ready for that year um, informal teacher training the year after um, and just really to think about how we can continue to get schools um, not just within UL but also outside of United Learning working with us on what we think is just um, an amazing program and a just a really niche way of recruiting graduates into the teaching profession. Yeah, it's great. I love hearing about all of this and how you've grown the concept over the years. I think the more I understand about the programme and what you're doing, it reflects a more of a commercial approach to graduate, a graduate training programme. Um, if you look at the big graduate recruiters out there, like John Lewis, BP, Lloyds, for example, uh, that's the kind of approach about how they support their graduates and support them into roles and how they can progress often into a management scheme. And I think I expect a lot of schools to be really envious of this position, uh, you know, this position that you're in, where you're attracting a different type of graduate that would perhaps not initially be attracted to education at all in the first instance. 
perhaps not made up their mind. You, you sort of managed to tap into that market successfully and introduce that concept of teaching as a career. You know, there's real clear promotion and development opportunities as opposed to just being in a classroom and not necessarily going anywhere. So right from the start, how do you go about getting this idea across to graduates who are maybe thinking about where do I go now? What do I do? I'm a graduate coming up to graduate. What are you saying? What's the message that's going out to them to say, you know, come on, consider us? I think that's a really interesting point around the kind of messaging to schools, because actually um, a lot of school leaders that we speak to, as soon as we explain it to them, they say, oh, my goodness, why didn't I think of this before? It sounds so simple. And Mm. we say, yeah, it's really simple. And it actually, um, you know, kind of identifies a need that you have. Um, So that kind of side of it, I guess, is covered. Where we work best is the relationship with teaching personnel so you know what tp um are able to offer is a service um a knowledge and a database that schools just don't have in terms of marketing and recruitment so you know they are they are very um supportive uh, of the fact that sometimes we might want to advertise within our own schools but actually um the success rate of that is pretty low because the 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 best form of recruitment comes through the work that teaching personnel do on our behalf. And that is, you know, that messaging to graduates, that database that they have, um, in terms of grads that maybe are already working in schools but haven't thought that actually this is a potential option in terms of a career path but also um, graduates that are leaving university that's another kind of niche market um, that are maybe thinking oh I might just register with with a, a teaching agency to see if I can do some teaching assistant work or LSA work and actually when they hear about this program um, it's kind of revolutionary for them um, and we found some really really good graduates that way as well so that relationship is absolutely vital um, and pivotal to the success of the Future Teachers Programme. Um, and, you know, we're always working together. We're always trying to shape it so that we can do the best possible job for the schools that we work with and the grads that we're, we're aiming to recruit. Yeah, and I think that partnership point that you raised there is really important, as even though you, you are a very large mat, whatever size or scale you are, working with someone like teaching personnel, and, and they're able to continually reach out to different workforce markets and these long-standing relationships they have with with universities and colleges across the UK that you know that that must make a, a real difference where a lot of schools don't have this central resource to be able to manage that so really valuable for education and for all schools and academies Danielle thanks so much for your time today and I, I really appreciate yet again hearing about all all about uh, future teachers good luck in everything going forwards and look forward to seeing you again thanks so much Penny thanks Danielle I'm joined today by uh, James Marsh from Teaching Personnel. Uh, we heard a lot there from Danielle at United Learning and about their journey and how they've worked in partnership with Teaching Personnel for a, for a number of years now, creating this new solution for them. So, James, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Hi, Penny. Thanks for having me. Uh, yes, my name's James. I'm a head of partnerships at Teaching Personnel. Uh, I also have responsibility for looking after our graduate and future teacher business. I've worked with United Learning seven or eight years. 
So tell us a bit about the, how this relationship came about. You know, how did you start talking to uh, United Learning about things uh, that they could do differently? We first started working with United Learning when we were looking for a solution to their chronic supply issues. They were spending an awful lot of money on supply teachers and temporary cover, and that for them created issues of inconsistency in terms of the people that were in front of their students, uh, but also budget issues. And we were looking at what innovative solutions there might be out there to try and fix that. Myself and the head teacher at the schools at the time uh, had a joint vision for growing their own pool of future teachers, working as cover supervisors and supporting those cover supervisors for a year in preparation for initial teacher training. Uh, and that's something that's worked really well. Uh, we've done that for like I say, kind of six, seven years now, and we've introduced probably 40 to 50 graduates through this route in that time. And it's proven to be quite a successful model uh, and one that we're still developing with trust, uh, but going very well. Yeah, well, Danielle obviously talked about the the impact it's had at, uh, at United Learning and also about you know, the future for them and, and how that may look. And, and from when we've spoken before, I understand that you've been working with a lot of other multi-academy trusts and single schools as well. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is one of the benefits of the programme is that teaching personnel's role in this is to take some of that, that stress away from trusts that simply don't have the time or capacity to focus on recruitment in the way we do. We go and find these people and then the programme itself has a lot of flexibility built into it in terms of how we then transition those graduates from gaining experience and getting support onto ITT. So, you know, we've got trusts that are looking to do this themselves uh, and take graduates from us, support them, and then put them through their own training route, whether that be with their existing SCIP provider or through a university that they're working in partnership with on a PGC. Uh, we are fortunate to be part of a group, SEG, and work with Best Practice Network, who are able to offer a teacher apprenticeship route, which is proving to be a topic of interest and quite popular at the minute. I think one of the benefits of that approach is it actually utilises the apprenticeship levy to pay for tuition fees. And the mapping of the apprenticeship route is very similar to other routes in that you can employ somebody on an 80% timetable still, they're going to get support development, and they're still going to come out of that qualification with QTS and then the other route is through United Teaching and that that route has been developed over time we've tried and tested things and we know what works what doesn't you know one of the key things with their approach is that they've actually really developed a program structure for that initial year they're really supporting their their graduates in preparation for ITT and they're really ready by the time they go into that training. You touched on that point there about apprenticeships, and I, I totally agree with you about the the way forward, I think, for, for schools and looking at that as a route for training their, not just their teachers, but staff generally within schools. There's a, there's a lot of money, uh, you know, a lot of mats are finding. They've got an enormous amount of money in their apprenticeship levy pot, um, and it's not being utilised for a number of reasons and sort of ingrained beliefs about uh, how you can use it, if it's actually going to cause more expense, more time, more effort. But if you look at the, the modern workforce today, their attitudes have changed about education and, and career development. And rather than paying for yourself, we're saying to our employers, look, invest in me. And 
they are looking for all their employers to develop them, use this apprenticeship levy pot to enable them to progress. The cost of a degree is incredibly expensive and a barrier to uh, to a number of people. But even the qualification to become a teacher, the ITT program is typically about £9,000, I believe, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um to put that, to use an apprenticeship course and use your levy to, to pay for that as a mat is incredibly attractive to a potential teacher. And yet there's only a few hundred last year. I know that number for 2024, uh, 20, the 2024 cohort I know is, is increasing. The expectation is going to be much higher. But this has to be something that schools have, have got to grasp. What you're explaining is that this route of rather than committing and investing early on as uh, as an apprentice or taking somebody on onto an apprenticeship straight out of university, this gives them the ability to actually be able to sort of engage with teaching as a profession, with the mat as an employer through this uh, less formal route, I suppose, through the future teacher's route before actually committing more permanently uh, through that. So it's interesting to see how you've worked with these different mats in different ways. And actually what you're doing is creating a route that is very flexible, highly adaptable for a mat in their situation or individual school. That I know you've talked about as well, actually, um, well, in I, that I, situation. And there's a few points there I'd expand upon. I think I think you're quite right there that you know different schools and different mats will have different systems and processes and different things that work for them. A big part of this for us is ensuring that we fit in with that and that everything we do is ensuring the right fit for their trust, their ambitions, uh, and working with them in the way that they know will work, but with our added experience and expertise to help them with recruitment. And I think the other key thing where you really hit the nail on the head there is about kind of commitment from graduates. The the financials you've spoken about there in terms of tuition fees and just com- commitment to training in general, that's a huge commitment for a graduate that is just considering a career in teaching and is perhaps on the fence. You know, if if you're unsure about a career in education and then you're faced with a yes or no option between £9,000 tuition fees and a year of training or going and doing something a bit more flexible first, I think we're going to be losing people that could actually potentially be really great in the classroom, could be really great teachers, but actually giving people the opportunity to experience something properly and try it and be in the environment before they commit both financially and mentally to the rigours of teaching. That's huge. And I think you struggle to find anybody that doesn't see the value in that. I think the issue is at the minute is that schools are leaving everything too much to chance. They're, they're coming across graduates and they're employing them in teaching assistant roles, in subject mental roles, in cover supervisor roles. And then they're finding out halfway through the year that, oh, actually, yeah, they might be interested in teaching. But what we're doing here is actually proactively going out and finding those people, introducing them from day one into this pathway with a plan already in place. And then I think that becomes an entirely different conversation then when you're thinking about a career in education as a prospect for a graduate. Let's face it, uh, education is kind of robbed of the ability to compete for the graduates that are looking to earn lots of money. 
because uh, it's public sector. But if we shift that focus onto their development in the profession and the experience they have, uh, it be- yeah becomes an entirely different offer. I think this is so important for the promotion as education as a profession because the barriers to entry are and historically have been quite rigid. You know, they they, they are they are very set, whereas. A lot of other industries will set their own routes into uh, employment. So this gives education the ability to be able to promote itself as an employer of choice, as a as a, a perhaps change people's perceptions about education as a, as a career. Um, so many teachers you, you speak to say, I just sort of fell into teaching. I'm not quite sure how, but actually so many graduates don't know what they want to do or the, the route that they want to take. Yeah. But it's why would you spend £9,000 to go into a career that you're not quite sure about? Whereas this enables you to actually go and try that that first role, that first job, because so many graduates don't really know what they want to do. And, and actually, it's an incredibly fulfilling career. And this enables them to actually put their toe in the water and you as a mat, as an employer to say, actually, if you come and work for us, this is what we will do for you. And to compete, that's interesting, that point you raised there about sort of robbing them of the opportunity. You know, it, this gives them the ability to be able to compete with a lot of those other professions and industries um, on those graduate recruitment rounds. And I think attrition is another big issue for additional teacher training providers and schools. You know, it, there's a huge proportion of ECTs dropping out within their first year, two years. And I think part of the issue here, and I'm speaking from personal experience here as well, is that once you've made that financial commitment to teacher training, it's very difficult to walk away from that, even if you know it's not quite right for you and you've not made the right career choice. But that commitment is required up front. But in this route, you've really got a chance to experience it. And I think most graduates will have made their mind up within a year whether whether teaching is the right career for them. On traditional routes, that first year is the year that they're training and paying money for it. But on mm-hmm. this route, there's there's a little bit more flexibility. And I think in the current market, flexibility is becoming increasingly important for people. Uh, just as a, a really interesting point, we have these perceptions about education being the career that is not attractive because we don't pay enough money because it is inflexible. But actually, when you look at what education does have, and we need to spend more time promoting that, is it does have a great pension scheme. And what's in the press at the moment, but talking about people not having having enough money in their in their pension pots. Well, this is about as generous as it gets, about lack of flexibility. It's in the classroom, term time only. Um, there is a degree of inflexibility but the reality is most jobs have that uh, it isn't this belief that oh don't don't become a teacher because everything else is you can do what you want which isn't true we know that so you know there i think there are some mats that are definitely working much harder about looking at how flexible they can be but reality is in the real world every job has a degree of inflexibility and we just have to recognize what it is in education but look at how yeah. we can flex the other pieces and look at if we don't, graduates will go elsewhere because other employers are listening. And as a profession, we are absolutely able to listen. And it's up to us to, about how we're going to, how far we're going to adapt or able to adapt to accommodate that. You know, how how much do we really want these people? And I think it's very rare that people go into the teaching profession for the money. 
So we're talking a little bit about money and financial commitment and experience here, but let's face it, that's not why people are going into teaching. They're not, they're not going in for the big bucks. But I think when you look at kind of private versus public sector, I, you know, I'm someone that's done both. I've, I've, come from a, I've come from a teaching role into a more corporate environment. And the difference of focus on onboarding and career focus and the support you receive and making everything really clear and transparent, it, they're worlds apart. You know, there are schools and there are mats that are doing it better than some, but I don't think there's enough focus in that early stage of career about really mapping out someone's experience from the first day they step foot in the door as a teaching assistant or a cover supervisor. Okay, what what's the rest of your career going to look like? That just doesn't really happen. Yes, uh, this did come up with um, Danielle as well, and she talked about, so we talked about the looking at other other industries and their graduate recruitment programs exactly. and actually how how much they value those and the formality of that whole uh, whole process and there's a lot that we can learn from that and put into uh, certainly put into our own schools but as an employer individual employers there's much a great was well, great deal that we can we can do there and I think it's this is these are positive times, I think, actually, for for education recruitment. And a lot of people will be sitting there not not agreeing with with that statement. But <laughs> this is going to push us, I think, to to change and adapt and be better employers for all, not just not just graduates and make the workplace uh, more more attractive, I think, to to the modern workforce not just new people coming in, but the people that are that are here at the moment. And it, it, exciting times as well for us at the Supporting Education Group, because as you mentioned, this ability to be able to work with these other market leading um, uh, experts and uh, uh, businesses within the group means that we can actually develop these sort of concepts like working with Best Practice Network and teaching personnel together and look at how we can best support uh, schools and mats uh, in, in the future. James, thank you very much. That was a really interesting uh, session, listening to both yourself and uh, Danielle at United Learning there. Um, Thanks for having me. And no doubt we'll be hearing from you again in the future. Thanks very much for your time. So good luck with everything you do and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks very much, Penny. Thank you all for listening. I'm Penny Swain. If you want to get in touch, my details are in the show notes. Please like, subscribe and share. It really does help us reach more people.